right, welcome to What Would You Say You Do Here? This episode is about road mapping, building a roadmap. I'm Katie Sally. And I'm Aaron Zerlip. We thought we'd talk about every product manager's favorite topic today, building a roadmap, and then talk a little bit about what it is and why you need one. Before we get started, Aaron, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am actually, uh, so I'm currently in Virginia visiting family, and I uh, am so homesick. Uh, I've got a Berliner Weiss with peaches called A Night in Georgia, so I can just remember me of those hot, sweaty nights in Atlanta. <laughs> it is currently 94 degrees in Atlanta Oh, with a heat index of 98. Coincidentally, we did not plan this. I'm also drinking a Berliner Weiss. It's hibiscus flavored, and it's not usually my style. I actually got this for a party that I had, but I really kind of like it. Nice. Hibiscus, uh, that, it's kind of like flowery, right? Yeah, but it's got a... Um, like a fruitiness to it? It's got a slight fruitiness. It's also a little bit sour, and it's not as sweet as a lot of mm. uh, flowery type fruity drinks that are fruity beers. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's what's going to be powering us through this episode. It says something about road mapping. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to talk about you know what exactly a roadmap is. So obviously, I, everyone has built a roadmap. It's a set of features and a timeline, right? Right. So it's a good you know way just to communicate what you're going to build. And I, I like to keep it a little more high level and focus more on categories of problems we'll be solving or capabilities that we'll be delivering rather than specific features. Uh, because you never know how you're going to implement something and it could change. And it's good just to set you know reasonable expectations with customers or other folks internally that you can still deliver on even if you change the ultimate solution of your feature or product. So roadmap should definitely be more about what problem you're trying to solve for customers rather than the specific list of features that you're building for them. Absolutely. that's That's been my experience. I too often have been burnt with very specific features and more importantly, very specific dates. Uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Another thing that you should really focus on is who are you building the roadmap for? So there's a couple of different audiences that you might be designing a roadmap for. Internal is going to be very different from external. So for an internal roadmap, you're trying to gain alignment on vision and direction from everyone within the company. Uh, you want to identify any dependencies across teams. Yeah, that's especially important depending on how your teams are structured. If you happen to have a back-end team versus a front-end team that are working on this you know, same feature at some point, you obviously would need to coordinate across them. It's also really useful to have a roadmap internally to help convince leadership or other stakeholders, you know, why your ideas are worth pursuing. So sometimes it's aspirational more so than a concrete plan. And that's another way that I've, I've used it. Yeah, I like that. And then it could also be an external facing roadmap. And it's important to note that roadmap that you're using internally to rally the troops could be different style or format or level of detail from an external customer or market facing roadmap. You might be more willing to put crazy ideas, concept car type stuff on an internal roadmap versus an external. Exactly. And then you can use all your cool internal project names, which you generally <laughs> don't want to share with customers. You know, one thing I found about cool internal crazy project names is they end up being feature names. And so it's a good idea to always make them customer friendly. 
Oh, I like really silly names that you would never want to share with customers because that ensures that you'll have to come up with a real name before you launch. <laughs> That's a good approach. I like that too. But yeah, one reason you you would have a you know an external facing roadmap is to really kind of show the market and your customers as well as you know prospective customers that you are in fact thought leaders in your area and that you can understand and dissect industry problems and have a, a, a good strategy for how you're going to go about addressing them in the future. You know, I noticed one thing that you're not saying here is building a roadmap in order to sell customers, to sell prospects. Well, that's that's a necessary evil of roadmaps too. It is, but I think it's... Um... It's kind of a different skill set. It's almost not even a product management type uh, of roadmap. I think with product managers, we're trying to solve problems. And with sales, we're trying to show you how your problems have already been solved. Or ideally, that's what sales is doing. I don't think it always works that way. Yeah, I've certainly seen uh, sales-driven roadmaps before, which were sometimes bending the truth of what we were actually going to do. And sometimes just flat out making them up. Yeah. But it's it's true. And so it's a good idea. Probably a good good tip here to keep an eye on any uh, sales created roadmaps you come across. I actually was going to say, ideally, you would not build a roadmap for prospects. Ah, got it. So you what, what you see is what you get. Yeah. That's a good practice. I definitely agree with that. I know I've been in situations where I've had to make a commitment to deliver something in the future, specifically to convince a prospect to sign a contract and close a deal. So it does happen, but I think in a perfect world, yeah, I agree. I I wouldn't want to show anything like that to a prospect. Yeah. And we don't live in a perfect world. And sometimes you just have to do that. Sometimes the sales team needs that in order to close a deal. And ideally, if you are doing that, then it's very realistic goals to set. Yeah. So if you do have a roadmap that you're showing customers, it's good to get them excited about it. Make sure that the capabilities or the problems or the themes that you're highlighting on it are something that are really going to resonate with your customer. And so it's a good idea to tailor it even for their needs. And I've done that before where I've delivered you know roadmaps to specific customers and made sure that I addressed their biggest pain points on it. And so sometimes it means, you know, not showing the entire roadmap because sometimes they don't care about everything. It's also good to, to know your audience. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're doing that, are you going through and changing the actual features that you're building? Are you showing them more going back to the problem solving? Here's your problem and here's how we're solving it. How, how are you laying that out? Yeah, it could be both. I, I never gonna like. I'm not gonna make up feature names, or, but uh, sometimes it's like you know, just whittling down a master roadmap just to kind of get rid of any other any noise that might distract a customer. That makes sense. But yeah, I think I think defining it in terms of problems as opposed to specific features it's helpful. It gives you a little bit of wiggle room too, so that you you know you have some more leeway as to how you actually solution it. Uh, and ultimately deliver it because we all know that the you know the solution can change from the time that you have an idea until the time that it you know hits the market. Yeah, actually, kind of ideally, it, it should change as you learn more, collect more data from the market. You know, maybe you're, you're you're working with your architects and your designers, and that solution is not what you initially conceived of because you have changed to meet the data that you've gathered. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, the way that you think about a problem at the outset of a project is always like far more naive and (laughs) uninformed than it will be after you've gotten some real kind of feedback and data. 
Yeah, I think it's probably one of the biggest sins in uh, product management is to not continually ask yourself if your solution is still solving your problem. Because as you go and gather more information, the, the problem itself may not change, but the way that you're trying to solve it probably should change as you as you learn. Great point. So from that perspective, going back to how specific the roadmap should be. Yeah. Not very. <laughs> keep it vague. Why don't we say high level? Let's keep it high level. <laughs> That's spoken like a true product manager. Agreed. Like I like to be specific for things that I know are definitely going to happen in the next one to three months. But beyond that, uh, I like to roll everything into quarters or years. And then again, not call out specific features, but focus more on like high level capabilities. That makes sense. That kind of reminds me of Google's approach. When I worked a couple of companies ago, Google would put out these huge roadmaps that, that we would have to listen to. And when I say listen, I mean, it would be several hours long video uh, live stream of them just talking about their different roadmap items for all their different features. And um, one thing that they did was they would define things with three terms. It was short term, medium term, and long term. And I might be getting those specifics. You know, the, the terminology might have been slightly different, but but what they meant was short term was something that they could define was coming out in the next couple of months. And medium term was probably sometime this year. And then long term was sometime after that. And they did not get more granular. They did not give you specific dates unless they had a release date. So unless it was something that had already been tested and they were very sure about that release date, they just never told you a date. I really like that approach of just saying, you know, later, this, these things are going to happen later and the order is not so relevant. Yeah, we're not all Google, so we can't all get away with that. True. But when possible, <laughs> it's a good way to do things. Yeah, I, I do. I think for me, like one of the cardinal sins is promising a specific date on a roadmap. I, I've never done that and had it not add stress to my life <laughs> come that date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we all know that things happen. QA hits a snag. Someone leaves the company. Something else comes up as a higher priority. All of these things can happen that are completely outside of your control. And if you've given a customer a date for a specific feature that's coming out six months from now, you have no idea what's going to happen between now and then. Yeah. So I, for me, I if I'm giving a date, even in the near term, I try to not be any more granular than like what month. That makes sense. Uh, and also make sure that like the time you're talking about on your roadmap, like that that's like when your feature will be fully launched, released, GA'd. Uh, and that means like take into account all of the upfront work, like obviously development, QA, beta testing, validation, experimentation, all of those things that need to happen before you're ready to fully roll out your feature. And only once you've done all those, that's the date that you should be communicating to people. Oh, yeah. Nothing worse than telling a customer something's coming out on a specific date only then to say, oh, well, that's just the beta. Not all the features will be included. We haven't QA'd that. We're still, you know, we're still having our uh, experimental customers test that one out. You probably don't want it yet. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that being said, it's always a good idea to if you if you do have to have dates on there and sometimes we have to sometimes it's outside of our control and we're we just have to put dates on there to have a disclaimer <laughs> because you know at some point that that roadmap might get shared. Absolutely. This is a this is a tip I got from the book Product Roadmaps Relaunched and I I find it really helpful 
because I never do that before. But then I realized, oh, yeah, like I definitely know that if I share a slide or a document with someone, it's going to get shared. And you can just assume that it's going to wind up in a competitor's hands or someone who you know wouldn't necessarily want to openly share that document with. Or even if you're presenting over, uh, you know, a web conference, you can be guaranteed that someone's taken screenshots. So, yeah, I, I think we've all done that at some point. You're watching a presentation, and you know, you're you're excited about what's coming out. You screenshot it. You get all excited about new features, only to find out the date's been pushed back. So yeah, make sure you have that disclaimer on there that says subject to change. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is a plan. All plans can change. So what about road mapping across teams, across PMs? You've got your PM, you've got your features that you work on, you've got your roadmap all figured out, and all of a sudden you're in a meeting with your 5, 6, 10, 20 other PMs, and you're all working with the same set of developers. You're working with, you know, you're sharing UX people, uh, you're sharing infrastructure. So do you do a roadmap across people? I think it makes sense to yeah have like a portfolio level roadmap, uh, especially when your if you if your features all obviously need to like tie in thematically into like one coherent product. It just helps to have that. And usually, marketing is maintaining some kind of like release plan that more or less is like a a portfolio level roadmap. Yeah. Um. So they're they're good resources I've found to to kind of help with that coordination. But yeah, also, I mean, it just really helps, like you pointed out, Katie, you know, when you're identifying dependencies across teams, or you've got shared resources, and you know, multiple PMs, you know, buying for that team or resources time, it helps to have that kind of portfolio level view. So you can identify any kind of collisions or conflicts like that, that would uh, ultimately, you know, cause someone's plans to slip. Yeah. Uh, and you also want to make sure that you're supporting the overall goals of the organization. And that's a lot easier to do if you can see what everyone is planning. Are we all headed in the same direction? Or do we have, you know, some teams veering off into some other direction that that doesn't meet the overall goals of the organization that doesn't get us to where we're trying to get to? Yeah. And I think one of my biggest disappointments in just most like product organizations I've worked in is that I never felt like I fully understood what every other product manager was working on. And then it's like, it's really hard to know, like, how do you build a coherent product without having that knowledge? And hopefully there's someone at a level above you that is kind of coordinating that and building that more cohesive vision and roadmap. But it just helps. Like, I like to know what everyone else is doing because oftentimes there might be a project that terribly similar to what I'm going to do. And it's good to make sure like we're not duplicating efforts. There's nothing more demoralizing than spending the last couple of weeks researching and talking to the UX folks and writing requirements only to find out that someone else is two weeks ahead of you in planning and their team is going to build something. You know, that's, that's, that can make you feel like you've been wasting your time. It can also make you feel like there's a, there's a serious lack of communication within the organization making sure that you're on top of that organization. Even if the management team is not doing that, if the marketing team is not doing that, you as a PM, you can talk to the other PMs. You can figure out what everyone's doing. Yeah, exactly. Usually the roadmaps are available to you or accessible to you. So I think a lot of times it does just take like your own individual motivation to go and review them if you don't have like a a wider process where you kind of review all the other teams' roadmaps together. 
I also think sometimes that stuff is shared in meetings and not everyone pays attention. You know, we're all in so many meetings all the time. If you're doing a stand up with your other PMs or you're doing, you know, sync up meetings, maybe you've got like a weekly team meeting or something like that. Listen and make sure you know what everyone else is working on, because sometimes they're saying it and you're not listening. That is also true. I think all of us product managers are guilty of the sin (laughs) of multitasking, (laughs) which means ignoring whatever is being said in the meeting because I'm trying to have Slack conversations with four people right now. I've definitely had managers before who had a no laptop during the meeting role. I like that, but find that very challenging, especially in today's environment where we're all working remotely and in meetings nonstop. Yeah, I don't think it's possible to do it all the time. Maybe it's one of those things where it's, uh, hey, for the next 10 minutes, Everyone turn their laptop off and, and pay attention or something like that. But. but I agree. That's that's a good solution. Okay. So the art of saying no. You have a passion for this uh, topic, don't you, Katie? I do. I do. A coworker that I used to sit next to was a big Apple fanboy. And he used to quote Steve Jobs on the regular. And I actually reached out to him and said, I can't find this quote that you used to say all the time. And he came back immediately with it. It's kind of longer than I remembered. I think he distilled it down pretty carefully. But people think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on. But that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that there are. You have to pick carefully. I'm actually as proud of the things we haven't done as the things we have. Innovation is saying no to a thousand things. Basically, that distills down to what you don't build is just as important as what you do build. And I think that that is incredibly important when you're a product manager who is trying to distill all of this noise, all this input that you're getting from all of these different teams, being able to say no, being able to to figure out what to build and what not to build is a very essential part of being a product manager. Absolutely. And actually, I I need to get this quote like made into a t-shirt that I can wear to my no meetings, uh, just so that people are have a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to come. Because I can't argue <laughs> with Steve Jobs, right? Yeah, maybe you could just put no on the front and then the whole quote on the back. <laughs> just That's great. Steve Jobs on the front, no on the back, so they see it as you're leaving the meeting. Steve Jobs, turn around, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, everyone has their own bias when they're asking you for things. You know, customers want a feature built. They're not always telling you what problem that they want solved. They're just saying that they need this feature. And sales is asking for a feature to make a sale. And engineering needs something sometimes because it's fun for them to build. And sometimes it's it's a needed feature, but they're coming at it from a dip- different perspective, which is not always the customer or the business. And those biases all mean that they're not thinking about the big picture. And you as a product manager, big picture is your job. So saying no to people or saying no to features, maybe not saying no to people, but saying no to features is incredibly important so that you can keep that roadmap working towards the company and the product's goals. Absolutely. It, it is really important to, to turn down ideas. And there are a lot of bad ideas that are easy to say no to, but kind of like that quote said, there's a lot of good ideas too that you do want to build. But like you said, I mean, it's not a perfect world and we don't have infinite time or infinite resources and we got to do what's most important to our strategy and to our near and midterm goals. Absolutely. 
And it's, it's a hard one to learn. I, it took me a while to learn this one. You know, I, I think a lot of product managers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we're people pleasers. I wouldn't say that we're people pleasers, but I would say that we like to please people. We want to make sure that we are meeting the needs of all the different teams and the customers. With that, we have a hard time saying no. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but sometimes, you know, when you, when you, it's important to say no. And if you have to back it up with data, do so. Uh, I did have, I worked for one company where we had a leader in the company that was known for, you know, kind of making last minute requests and throwing a lot of people into a tailspin to deliver on that. And there was one time where we decided, you know what, this doesn't make sense. We're not going to do this. So we actually sat down and wrote like a business case around that feature that was requested, what it would take to actually build it in terms of resources and costs to the company. And then more importantly, what were the opportunity costs that we'd have to take on? Like what other work was going to have to be delayed or put off and who was that going to upset? And that actually turned out to be really powerful. We did that several times. And every time we did it, we were able to say no to a very important person in the company. Well, you're also building trust with that person when you do say no, because they they hear that you're not just saying no, you're saying no because. And I will say what's one of my biggest pet peeves as a product manager is when a developer just tells me no and doesn't tell me why. Don't tell me no. Tell me what the cost of doing something is, which is exactly what you did with your founder. You didn't say no. You said, here's what it would take to do it. Here is why it's a bad idea, or at least here's why it's not something we ought to do right now. So yeah, saying no and always having a reason, I think is is going to get you over that difficulty of saying the word in the first place. Absolutely. So now that we've said no to everyone's requests, what's left to go on our roadmap? What is left to go on our roadmap? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to have a good answer to that, Katie. I think it just all comes back to to solving problems. Just try and, and remember as a product manager, that is always the question you should be asking yourself. Am I solving a problem here? Am I solving the right problems? If you keep doing that, then then your roadmap will will make sense. Exactly. And and the roadmap should ultimately reflect, you know, your long term strategy. And if it doesn't, then you know you've somehow lost course. Yes. You've gone astray. All right. Well, that's that's a lot of good talk about roadmaps. Now I want to go and figure out what I'm going to build in the next month. Yeah. So what are you going to build on your roadmap? Well, now that you've solved all of the problems that your customers, sales, marketing, founders, everybody has, you got to figure out your resources. And, and those resources are could be shared across other products, across other teams, so that's something that you have to consider. As a young product manager, when I was starting out, I was told to never consider resources when figuring out my priorities, that priorities should always be sacred. And that's just not realistic. You have to, you have to think about your resources and sometimes that can impact your priorities because if I have this top priority, but it's going to take six months and two teams worth of developers, I'm not going to be able to do anything else. Or I could do these four smaller things. Well, I might choose the four smaller things, even though my number one priority was this big thing. Absolutely. So definitely don't want to be promising things over the roadmap timeline that you just can't deliver based on the capacity you have. So I think people just need to go out, build your roadmaps, be realistic, remember who you're building them for and why, and have fun. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of What Would You Say You Do Here? And next time, we'll be talking about product manager interviews. 
because that's something I'm neck deep in at the moment. All right, we'll see you next time then. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> that was sad. That wasn't even another language. Ciao. Adios.